0: I never have notes, but I've got notes today. <laughs> um, it's revival. Uh, a friend of mine, he's, he, he's got a TV show called The Normal Christian Life. And at the start he says, um, I'll probably quote it slightly wrong, but he says, most Christians compare themselves to other Christians Whereas normal Christians imitate Christ. And revi- revival is a funny word. Revi- you know, it's a, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. We use it here. We don't apologise for it. But um, the reality is that revival often is because uh, there's lack or, or whatever. But no- normal Christianity is that people imitate Jesus. So we, should, we, we really shouldn't need revival because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? And I know there's, there's, you know, there's sovereign moves of God that happen and, and things that happen, but the reality is that, I mean, Jesus, the creator of the universe, dwells in your mortal body. That should blow your mind. <laughs> That, that really should be enough. We should be able to pray. Let's go home. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's enough. And I love what Dean was sharing this morning about, you know, we really want to be led by, by his spirit. We really want to follow... Jesus, we want to follow what he's doing. We want to move with him. We, we want to move with his heartbeat. We want to move with what he's moving on. And I, I just, I really want to hit something this morning that we've talked about hitting for probably two years. And I really do believe it's, it, when when the spirit of God comes, I believe there's been moves of God that have happened which have been spirit led but haven't have not been undergirded with truth. And then it can be really quick it really quickly, you can go like this. Does that make sense? And so, whoa, I just got extra loud. Sorry. That's all right. If I can have that down just a little bit. Um, I, heard, I heard another good quote by Jeremy Riddle that I, I, I'll use. It's theology is for doxal. I don't think actually he quoted this. I think it was a guy called Jay Parker. But theology is for doxology and devotion to Jesus. So theology, good theology, that's spirit-led, right? Spirit, we worship in spirit and truth. Okay, So good theology married with the Spirit of God is actually for the benefit of worship. Are you with me? Does that make sense? This is, this is true, I know this to be true practically, because we, we used to run this school called the Jesus School. Who's, who did the Jesus School? Anyone in here? One or two, two of you? Okay, if we ever run them again, you all need to do them, they're awesome. All right. At 10 days, we'd spend 10 days together, living together at a campsite, and then we'd have 80 students, we'd cap it at 80, we'd cap it at 80 for a reason, and we saw over 800 students come through the school in about four and a half years, right? And significant significant miracles, significant fruit with Youth for Christ. And we, uh, we would often do two days of no worship and we'd just teach on what I'm about to teach on a little bit uh, and we'd do no worship and by the second night, you didn't need a warm-up. Because the students, they all different ages, would come, they'd have their, their minds blown, but they'd have revelation of stuff. They'd be like, oh my goodness, God's good. He likes me. He's for me. He's not an angry father. He's All of these things we'd teach from Scripture. We'd plough Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8. We'd teach right through it. We'd go through it. We'd have a meal together. We'd sit around. We'd open up the scrippies, right? The scriptures and, uh, <laughs> and, we, and we'd go through and people would ask questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? And we'd go through it all and within two days... Within two days, like say we start on a Sunday night, by Tuesday night, and we'd, the worship leader would play one chord and everyone would be like, Jesus! right? Because theology is, is there, is, if it's undergirded with the Spirit of God, it's there that enhances worship. Enhances worship in your life. And so good theology is important and, uh, and we need it and um, we enjoy it. Amen. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I, I just pray today that people's ears and hearts would be open to receiving from your spirit. They wouldn't just hear great words, but they would receive from your spirit truth that would penetrate in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us that in, in Timothy that we would rightly divide the word of truth. That we would rightly understand the word of truth. And there's been a theology in the church for a long time that I, would, I can confidently say through scripture that I would say is demonic. That's uh, strong. And it's this theology. It's that you're a still a sinner saved by grace. It's an oxymoron. Why would God make you. Sorry, let me rephrase this. Why would God require you to be compatible with your spouse and not require that of his own bride? He made you compatible. Gene read it this morning. How many, many. There's been many Christians that are like, oh, I need to crucify myself over and over again. I'm still sinful, I'm still there's still things that are going on in my life, right? Now, I'm not preaching that you can't sin just bef- before you all leave the room, <laughs> right? And people often, they're like, where's a verse for that lamb? Well, Adam and Eve didn't have a sinful nature. Yes? All right. So, if, if you try and crucify yourself, you might get one arm in. You might get your feet. How do you get this arm? You can't. Do you get it? You cannot do it. Why? Because Jesus became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in, in, in Christ Jesus. And, and where are you? In Christ. And where's He? In us he's also in heaven yeah he's in us right the answer is Jesus um yeah so so he's <laughs> so he's in you and he, he right so so the the reality though with a lot of Christians and this is what I want to get at and I, I've got a few thoughts around this the reality is and I've been having this thought come to me how, how do you teach well we're talking about following the spirit and people we we're so we're suckers for formulas. Right? We want the formulas. How do you teach a person? If I was to be like, how do I teach Dean? I could give you glimpses of Dean, but the only way you teach Dean is if you encounter Dean. Does that make sense? You have to encounter truth. And so often as Christians, we've struggled with Romans 7, and we're going to do it today. We're going to go through Romans 7. Verse by verse, because people have, have said they're like, "Oh yeah, I get it, Liam. I'm, I, I'm, 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 am I'm, I'm a positional saint, but I'm still sinful." No, you were a positional sinner, and you're a positional saint. Right? You weren't. You weren't. A, you weren't just a positional sinner. You were a sinner. Right? It, it wasn't positional. It was real. And Jesus came and he circumcised and for those that are on camp sorry it wasn't recorded but Jalil just shredded this, right? He circumcised the flesh of your heart, the sinful nature, and then he decided it's a good idea to deposit himself inside of you. That's the good news, right? You can't do anything to earn it, deserve it, any of those things, right? And a lot of us know more a lot of us know more about the, uh, know more about the, the our love languages, right? We know more about love languages than we know about who we've actually been created to be and who he is. Oh, I'm a gifts person, right? Or I'm a quality time person, or I'm, you know, the five love languages. We know more about those things and we know more about self-help programs and we know more about, um, what are they called, those the Myers-Briggs and personality tests. I'm not against personality tests, by the way, if you do them, right? You're like, oh, I'm a 9-5, I don't even know, right? right. Just know Jesus. <laughs> He's the best personality giver in the world, right? It, 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 I always laugh because in my idea, I probably would have sent Paul to the, Gentile, to the, to the uh, Jews and Peter to the Gentiles. But God decided it's probably a good idea to send Paul to the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. He just does things differently. Are you with me? Alright, turn to Romans 7. We're going to do a bit of a study. That's the warm-up, and I'll try and do this in a decent amount of time. I did. A, I did we've just come out of a series, or still really on a series, of The Renewed Mind. Um, and... This, this, I really believe, uh, helps us to not navel-gaze and shadow-box the devil over a problem that is no longer your problem, right? I really believe, and I really believe people are going to get set free today from stinking thinking around who they are in Christ and it's, this will shift your perspective from internal shadow boxing. Because, I hate talking about the devil, but the reality is if the devil can convince you that the problem is you, then you will shadow box for the rest of your life and you'll never be effective for the kingdom. It's seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, Right? So the renewed mind enhances faith in your life. Listen to this. The renewed mind enhances faith in who he says that he is and who he says that you are. That's what the renewed mind does. It's not with the renewed mind a man believes. It's with his heart a man believes. right? But the renewed mind enhances faith so that you would encounter the person of Jesus. Not just a theology, but you encounter the person. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Alright, so Romans, I'm going to go through a few things, but I want these few verses to just stick in your mind right now before we get into Romans 7. For those that are like, I don't know what you're talking about with Romans 7, people have struggled with Romans 7 because they think Paul struggled with sin, and they've made that the normal Christian life. They're like, well if Paul, the great apostle Paul, struggled with sin, that must be the normal Christian life, so we're all going to struggle with sin, and that's just the way. No, he paid blood and died on a cross to set you free from that thing. He paid blood to set you free from sin. Behold the Lamb of God who keeps you in your sin over a period of time and slowly circumcised your heart. No, he didn't say that. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? And so, I mean, what's the most famous Christian verse that we all know? John John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? What is it? You are born again. So what are you born again? You're not born again from sin, sin into partial sin. No. All right? All right, we're setting this up. All right, listen to this verse. Romans 6.6. 6. I'll just read it to you. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. All right? Did you catch it? Not being set free has been set free. You You can park yourself in a garage and think you're a car it doesn't make you a car you can bark like a dog it doesn't make you a dog i want to stop there right this is the world we live in right it doesn't matter what you say or what you th- as a man thinks in his heart so is he you can be completely free in christ and still be enslaved and live like an orphan Oh, it drives me. I want to see people free. This is why I'm passionate about this. All right? Because you can be free. Okay. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians 5. We know it. What is it? Behold, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. Or the old has passed away. The new has come. Okay. All right. So... Let's go to Romans 7. We're going to read it now. Those are just a couple. There's so many, but those are just a couple to hold on to because I want you to see, and it's really important, uh, theology that you know. If you read Romans 7 on its own as a chapter from Romans 7 to the end of Romans 7, it's like coming into a foreign language film trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Has anyone, anyone ever done that? You're like, what is going on here? Right? It, it, you you have to read it in the context of the entire book of Romans otherwise you ca- yeah you're coming into a movie half cooked and you just got no idea what's happening all right and you could think hey this is this is this is the normal christian life all right let's go to Romans 7 let's let's read it or do you not know brothers so that's clearly saying that he's moving on from Romans 6 for I'm speaking to those who know the law. This is verse 1. All right, that's a clue. He's speaking to those who know the law. It's a big clue that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Are you are you catching his analogy that he's giving? He's using marriage as an analogy with the law. Okay. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Are you catching this? So you're married to the law. And then you die, you are free to marry another person. Come on. This is good. Likewise, brothers, verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died. Are you catching this? You have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. So he says, you have died and now you're married to another. You're not he's talk, he's talking to the Roman church. There would have been partial Jews, partial Gentiles, Hellenists, there would have been a whole array of people there. Okay. Uh, so that you can bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions were aroused by the law. We're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So he's saying, listen, this is a, a friend of ours said this, and I really like it. We might find better language for it one day. What did the law do? The law was a diagnosis of your problem. So is the law evil? No. Is the diagnosis, if you go to a doctor and you've got blood pouring out your arm and the doctor says, oh, the diagnosis is this. Is that doctor being evil? But is he fixing the problem? I always use the analogy of offside in soccer because I don't know why, but no one knows what offside is. <laughs> right? Then you get the tomato sauce bottles, and you get the you know the, the ketchup, and the salt, and the pepper, and I have the salt passes to the pepper, and the you know, and everyone's like, "What is going on?" Right? If I threw a ball in here and said, "All of you go play a game of soccer," probably 95% of you would be offside. Right? There be a few, a few of you that I know that love soccer, so there's a few of you in here that would be all right, but. And then if I didn't tell you anything, and then all of a sudden if I said, actually, I'm going to sit you all down now, here are the rules for offside. You were all doing offside. I've just diagnosed the problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that's what Paul's saying here in Romans 7. He's saying... Uh, in in that verse is but now we released from the law having died to that which held us captive so that uh, sorry I've gone ahead of myself for while we were living in the flesh our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death so he's saying what happened was when the law came in it pushed the sin in you to arousal Into this place of like, oh my goodness, I'm doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. this wrong. I'm doing all these things wrong, which I didn't know I was doing until the law came in. How on earth can I be saved? That's what he's doing. That's what he's getting at. He's he's showing you that you need a saviour. Is this making sense? Right? Okay. We're going to do a bit. This is a theology. This is a study this morning, more than a preach. But let's go down to verse uh, 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So here Paul's saying, now we've died to that, we serve now in the Spirit, we serve God and we're we're not following the law any longer. Jesus fulfilled the law. Right? Is that, does that that make sense? Okay, let's let's move on. So, verse seven. What? Because he's saying, oh, you could be saying that God is causing you to sin on purpose. And Paul's like, I'm going to answer that question. What then shall we say that the law is sin? Right? By no means. Yet if it If it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin, for I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not yet said, you you shall not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all the kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. Right. So he's answering what I what I just explained. Sin came alive because the law was was revealed. Right. Uh, Let's let's move on to verse uh, thirteen because this is where um, this is where people get a bit stuck at times. So, verse thirteen. Did that which is good, then? So he's saying, did that which is good, did the law, because the law is good, bring death to me? And he says, by no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. All right, verse 14, and we're going to we're going to talk through this, and then I'm going to show you how we finish. For we know that the that the law is spiritual but I am of the flesh. All right, who who's heard like the flesh is evil? Right? Who's heard that? In the flesh is evil, right? blah 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 blah. blah. None of you've heard that. Okay, <laughs> right. All right. The flesh isn't evil. The flesh is weak. Right? He's talk, so there's two words that are used for flesh in scripture. There's flesh that's used as the old nature of sin. And then there's flesh that's used, which is just the flesh that's your body, right? This flesh is not evil. If it was, Jesus was a sinner, because he came in, in human flesh. Okay, so that, that's not true. All right. So verse fourteen: For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if Do the good I want, but the evil. Paul, could you have written this better, please? I do do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay, that's a tongue twister. All right? So here, let's go back to our, our verse in Romans 6. Let's go back. What was it? We know that our old self was crucified. Do you know Paul says 46 times in Romans 5 and Romans 6 and the beginning of Romans 7 and the end of Romans 8 that you are dead to sin and alive to God. What did Paul have a bad day? He's like, oh, Romans 6 was good and now I'm writing Romans 7 and I'm having, a bad, I'm having an off day? Because what did he say? He says, it's no, there's nothing good dwells in me. It's sin. It's not I who do. I want to do what's right, but I can't. Because there's this thing inside me called sin, and I keep wanting to agree with the law. But every time I try and do this thing, I can't. Sin just comes out of me. Why? Because I'm a sinner, right? Who's, be honest? I know heaps of people that have lived their entire Christian life, and they're like Paul. Paul here. And that's the normal Christian life. And what it did is it empowered them to live less than the gospel paid for. It did. Don't put your hand up. That's okay. Um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll save you that one. All right. So, so he goes through this. I do not do what I want. I do all these things, but sin's in, in me and I can't do it and blah, 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 blah. We're going to look at it and then I'm going to tell you, uh, explain what this is. But just some, just some thoughts. These are my notes. This is why I had them down. I'm going, to re- I'm going to read them. So possibly the most misunderstood chapter in Scripture is Romans 7. Without proper context, Romans 7 can seem to be describing the normal Christian's experience. A battle with sin that can never truly end, end to his life until the end of, of your life. Because sin remains a part of our nature post-conversion from sinner to saint. The problem... Is that this drastically contradicts explicit message of Paul's epistle that we are no longer under sin's dominion? We are actually set free from the sin nature itself when we were co-crucified with Christ. Romans six six, Colossians three three. He's transferred you from the domain of darkness into His kingdom of His beloved Son. Right? You can't do that if you're still if you're sinful. Right? You've got a sin nature. Galatians two twenty. What is that? Do you guys? Anyone know it? Come on, Dean. <laughs> You've been co-crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So you're dead. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. Paul's making that really clear. What, and then all of a sudden he's struggling. Good question. Let's move on. So if I find it to be the law, verse 21, stay with me. So I, so I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my... Is it the law of my spirit? It's the law of my heart? Or is it the law of my... Oh, that's interesting. It's the law of his mind. So his mind is saying, I want to do what is right But there's something in me that keeps holding me back. It's waging war against my spirit. Because when he's talking, and we'll see it in a second, he's saying he's not talking to a believer. How did he start the passage? For I'm speaking to those who know the law. Right? Listen. Listen to this. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he goes, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I'm still serving the law of sin. Right? So as a, if you read that passage as a Christian and you think Paul's talking to Christians, he's saying, you, you're waging war, that's the inner battle, feed the black sheep, the black dog and the black dog will grow, feed the white dog and the white dog will grow. Who's ever seen that, put that Christian meme up? They think it's a, it's a terrible meme, it's <laughs> terrible theology. You were crucified with Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. It's no longer you who live, it's Christ who lives in you. That's not positional, that's reality. Yeah, that's right, that's the, real, the realness of the gospel that Galatians talks about, that you were circumcised with a circumcision not made of human hands. Circumcisions are short. Thank God, right? For the Jews, <laughs> or anyone else. Anyway, um, they're not a slow, drawn-out process. They are swift. Swing done, right? If you don't know what circumcision is, Dean will tell you later on. He'll give you, he'll explain it to you in full. All right, right? So here, Paul's addressing, he's saying, listen, as a Jew, I am the phar-, He goes, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees in another uh, part of Scripture, he says. I was the Jew of Jews. I was, I was right up there. I wanted to do what was right. I agreed with the law, but there was something in me that was waging war against my mind, and I couldn't do it. I wanted to do what was right, but I just couldn't because the law produced, it was the diagnosis that brought out the nature that was within me. That's what he's saying. Did, did you catch it? Right? So listen to this next verse. Because if, if you still don't believe me, I want you to continue into chapter 8. Listen to this next verse. There is therefore. Now, who's a good scholar in here? And whenever there's a therefore, you've got to ask why it's yes. therefore. All right. Well done. You're doing well. All you Bible, Bible college students, right? So you, you, if you've got to ask the therefore. Now... The therefore is not short, near context. It's the whole book. It's not just the last three verses, because people have used this verse. They're like, "Well, there's no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Liam." Which what they're really saying is, "I can sin and get away with it and live the way I want." Live the way I want, which is selling the gospel of grace short of the power. It's the power of God under salvation. It's powerful and it transforms a life. You're telling me that the law which was good and had glory on it, right? Paul says that in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians says the law was good and it had glory. How much greater glory does the gospel of grace have which sets you free from the diagnosis of the problem? Come on. This is the gospel. Right? So it's not, therefore, there is now no condemnation who are, who are in Christ so that you can live a sinful life and get away with it. He set you free from the very thing that, he, that you then want to stay under. That's uh, Anyway, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life. Are you, are you reading it? Has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death has set you free. Man, either Paul is super schizophrenic, right? Or he, he's actually... There's context to what he's writing in Romans 7. Right? Either Paul's having a bad day or there's context. Sorry, I, I don't mean to be offensive. Maybe I do. All right. for, God, for God has done what the law weakened, verse 3, by the flesh, could not do. Ah. Oh. Let's read this again. There's glory on this right now. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. God condemned sin in Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus became sin, God went, right, I have the authority to condemn it now. Not a, not a, never again will there be a sacrifice for sin, Hebrews 9.28 says. Why? Because he did it right the first time. Come on. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in who? In us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is so good. Who walk not according to the flesh anymore, but according to the spirit. We're going to read on. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it is not to sit, submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are the flesh cannot please God. Listen to this. You however you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. All right. If you're a believer in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you, right? That's just good theology. It dwells in you, right? So the Spirit of God dwells in you. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you, ye, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through Christ Jesus. Come on. So Romans 7 is not talking about the normal Christian life. It is talking about, as a Jew, I wanted to do what was right, but I couldn't do it. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And it's not about good works. It's not about doing some other thing. It's not about, you know, doing all this stuff. It doesn't matter what you do. You cannot do it. You cannot earn salvation. It's a free gift of grace that then doesn't leave you where you are. It takes you. It transforms you from the inside out so that you would look exactly like his son. Amen? Come on. That was way better preaching than that clap. It, yeah? I anyway, know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, very spontaneous. Well done. <laughs> um, you're kind. You're kind. All right. <laughs> just really quickly. He who has died has set you free. And having been set free from Christ, but now having been set free from sin, for we know the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold under sin. There those inconsistencies, right, are talking about in Christ and not in Christ. Another inconsistency is this: that um, but I see my members, another law waging against the law of my mind, making me a captive to sin that dwells in my members. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So there's those two inconsistencies. Paul is referring strictly to his own past experience under the law. He uses present past tense language so that the Jewish believers can associate themselves with this past too. Paul is associating with the entire Israelite nation and its experience under the law using present past tense language and, and like Romans 8 to 9, he moves moves on to the future. Paul concludes that the picture of redemption powerfully by expressing what life in the new covenant spirit is like. We should seek to understand Romans with Holy Spirit inspi- insight and spend as much time meditating on this truth. I'm just going to give you a few verses. Galatians two twenty you were co-crucified with Christ. Romans 6.6, 6, you were co-crucified with Christ. Colossians 3.3, 3, you died his death with him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, behold, the new is come. Colossians 2.11-12, in him we were circumcised, putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which we also were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Ephesians 4.24, our new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to finish with one verse, but I want to say this. I've been, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, going through this verse. And the reason I wanted to go through it is because what I believe the Lord is calling us to as a house, and what I believe the Lord's doing right now across the world is he's actually, he's actually cleaning house and he's making his bride compatible with him so that we would actually host the presence of God well and we would stop going around the mountain of, I'm just this evil, rotten sinner. No, he painted a good picture in you. Does it mean you can still sin? Absolutely. The question is, the, my question is to you, is you're not a sinner anymore. It's not your natural nature to sin. It's your natural nature to sin to be a partaker of his divine nature, according to 1 Peter. You are, your natural nature is a saint. And if you believe you're a sinner, you will sin by faith. You will. And I just really believe, more than just sin, because uh, more than just sin and, and that attribute, that's the doorway into the intimacy and the presence of God with Jesus, where you come to Father God. 1 John 2 says, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, not when you sin. We say, if I fast and when I sin, he says, if you sin and when you fast, (laughs) right? (laughs) Does that make sense? And and this shifted, when I understood this, this shifted my whole perspective of the goodness of God. Because I realized when I can come to him, If I stuff up, if there's issues in my life, if there's things that are going on in my world, I can come to him boldly because he condemned the problem in his son Jesus on the cross. And I don't have to come at a distance from God and be like, oh, he's just going to, you know, whatever. I can come to him. It makes worship... This beautiful doxology to God, because I'm coming to Him, realizing this is who You created me to be, as in a mirror, as we look in a mirror. So we become right. 1 John 4:17. This is the verse I'm going to finish on. But the reason I shared this is that I really believe and prophetically am declaring that the bride, the bride, sorry, us as the Christians, that He's writing to Christians on their hearts. He's saying to the saints in Lilydale. He's saying to the saints in Lillardale, to the saints in Australia, to the saints in my nation, would you believe my word? Would you believe? Is just believing me enough. Would you believe me? Would we stop navel-gazing and and realize, oh my goodness, you've set me free, that I died with you. When you died, I was co-crucified on the cross. It's no longer I who live. I count my life as a loss to you and a gain to you. Come on, when we start to lift our head from, from here to here, then I guarantee you things will just fall off of your life. You'll live above the snake line. Come on, there's too many Christians that are like, I don't know if I should do that, there might be a demon. I'm like, just worship the Lord and demons don't hang around you. Right, When you focus on the demonic, you might attract the demonic. But when you focus on Jesus, you fix your eyes on him. Jesus didn't go around just hunting demons. Demons manifested when he was there because he knew who he was in Christ. He wasn't looking for demons. He wasn't looking. I'm not, not against that. But I'm just saying there is a greater level of living with Jesus in the freedom of what he paid for. Then I'm telling you, our lives, our conversations, the way we live, they'll shift from me, oh, I'm just, yeah, well, that's just the way it is and that's just the way it's always going to be. No, the normal Christian life will become a reality in your life because you start to see, oh my goodness, he's, wait, there's not... He's actually cleansed the entire inside of my sinful Hang on what the I'm washed with the blood I'm baptized into death and resurrected into Christ what, that's who you made me you start to worship and praise him in such a different way it's not arrogance it's confidence or godfidence as Todd White says right it's godfidence it's a godly confidence and it shifts your perspective from how can i be fruitful how can I be fruitful for God in my everyday life? I, I love this quote. We'll we, definitely finished. <laughs> yeah. Jim Elliot. Who's heard of Jim Elliot? Missionary died. Got martyred. Is it just me or have we got the heaters on in here? This is, it's cooking. Sorry. Um... He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When we realise that we are sons and daughters, not sinners, the bride will take up its rightful place on the earth and we will co-labor, we will co-mission, and we will because we have been co-crucified. And we will commune with him out of a love relationship, not out of a works one. Cuz lovers will always get more work done than workers will. It's just the way it works in the kingdom. And then we will shift our focus from coming to church and, oh, they didn't play my favourite worship song, and oh, I oh, oh, don't like the leader, and I oh, went a bit long, or it wasn't long enough, or it wasn't this, or whether We will come to church with an adoration, and we won't just come to church, but we will become the church who worship him in spirit and in truth. And we will shift our focus from bless me to I am blessed, to fix me, to I've been made whole. I am holy, for he is holy. Come on. Yeah. It'll shift our focus from I need more of him to I want more of him. It'll shift our prayer life from, God, could you roll the toilet roll list of things that I need done for me today, and can you check them off, to I'm just going to spend time in his presence because when I do, I know that all things fall into place when I seek his kingdom. and Even if they don't fall into place of how I want them, I still worship him because he's good. Because of who he is. You know the verse where it says you can pray and you'll ask anything and I'll do it in my, in, in my name? You know? That's not I get to pray for a Ferrari. That's I am so aligned with his heart that I actually pray the will of God. I become so aligned with his heart that I actually pray the prayers that he's wanting to pray. Come on. It's not I get to just pray what I want and hope it happens. It's I'm so in alignment with his heart that when I pray, it happens on earth as it is there because I've, I've come into alignment with him. All right, stand up. Listen to this. Stand up, sorry. Stand up. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are you in this world. Ho oh, as he is, so also are you in this world. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is, is when you're seeing a brother or a sister in Christ that, you, that is struggling, that is maybe not living in that way, they're like, I, I, I'm, I'm bound in sin, I'm, I'm tormented by this, I'm trapped in addiction, whatever it is, right? Discipleship is pulling that person, getting alongside them and saying, let me tell you who you are. Let me call you to a higher level in Christ. That thing in your life is not the way you're supposed to live. So let me pray with you, let me stand with you, let me lift your arms when you need to but let me point you to Jesus not to a self-help program while those can be useful let me point you to Jesus cuz he's the author and the finisher of your faith and the christian life we are the, the christian life is not a process of becoming more sorry let me let me rephrase that the christian life is not you developing more of Jesus in your life the Christian life is you discovering who Jesus made you to be and behaving accordingly that's the difference does that make sense alright I think you I think, you've, I think you've got the point so All right, I'm going to pray I'm going to pray for two people in this room um, yeah that would be awesome bro. Awesome. two people yep two categories sorry I'm I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gone <laughs> I want to pray for people that don't know the Lord. If you don't know Jesus uh, in here and you're like, I, have, I am that Roman seven man. I've been trying to do the right thing and I've been going around the mountain of disappointment and it's because I actually don't have the spirit of God living inside of my body. That I haven't actually asked Jesus into my heart. I haven't actually invited him in. He will stand at the door and knock, but you've got to open the door. You've got to open the door. He's a gentleman. He'll invite you in. You'll invite him in. He's a gentleman. He won't just barge through that. He, sometimes he does invade our lives in that way. But salvation, it is a decision and a choice that you need to make in your heart that you would believe that he is not just saviour of your life but Lord of your life. And so if that's you, if you're like, I have never made that decision, I'm going to ask you to, to pray with me in a moment. And then the second... Um, People, and I'm not, I'm not going to get you to come down the front for this one or anything like that. But I actually just want, just, let's just, I just want to take a moment right now. And I actually just want, I really feel like the Father, I've just changed directions here. But I actually feel like the Father is going to speak to you. And He's going to actually say to you, you are my child in whom I'm well pleased some of you just need to hear that you actually need to hear that the father he delights in you you're like you've known God loves you but you don't think he likes you I just want to pray a father's blessing I'm a father in the natural I just want to pray a father's blessing right now and if that's you you're like I need to receive that I want you to receive it by faith and then we're going to, Dean's going to close, and then we're going to just have people up the front who, uh, if you want prayer for anything at all, whether it's healing, whether it's just to respond to this message this morning, um, and if we can have some of the prayer prayer team people up as well, there'll be people up here to pray uh, for you. So, all right. Could I have every eye closed right now? If you, if you want to, if you are like, hey, I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to actually invite Jesus into my life I'd love to pray with you right now and uh, if that's you I just would love you love you to raise your hand so that I could just pray with you and it'll, it'll only be you and I that know uh, and then I'd love to talk to you afterwards if that's you if you're like hey I've never given my life to Jesus and I want to. today's the day today's the day of salvation all right awesome that a few more few more moments okay you can do this anytime if you're like I want to but I just don't want to do it in here that's fine I gave my life to Jesus in a bedroom when I was 14 so it doesn't have to be in church God's outside of the four walls thank God for that alright I'm just going to pray father's blessing right now and then uh, and then we'll close so holy spirit i thank you right now father god i pray you would speak to every heart in this room every mind in this room that you would remind us of who we are and who we've become god that you would show us show them clearer show me show us as a people lord who we are and who you are god that we would see you clearly we would rightly divide the word of truth There would would be a revolution of Jesus' people. Not sinners, not partial sinners, but saints. That people would come alive to the reality of who they have been made in the image of God. I just pray a Father's blessing right now in this room. That people would see and know and hear the Father tell them that He is well pleased that they would not just hear about it, they would encounter the living God.